Hello everybody, welcome to The Power Supply, your weekly digest of technology and science, with your hosts, Ziyang Tsui and David Lei. Let's get started. Today on The Power Supply, we will be talking about the most mysterious star in the universe, ice on Mars, iPhone addiction, and a new fuel cell powered by Nexo. So from the surface, Mars looks like a very barren planet with a few ice caps here and there, one at the top and bottom, but nothing else except rust oxide on the yeah, rust on the surface. I, it's called the red planet for a reason, you know. Yeah, it's, it's pretty red. Yeah, all of that is rust. However, uh, it's but there's all there's obvious signs of erosion on the planet. Which is really interesting, considering that there's no atmosphere, there's no like condition for rainfall, but they still have erosion on the surface. And like, what's so? Um, imp- why is this erosion so important? I well, guess. erosion happens from wind, and time, and water. Most importantly, water. And seeing that it's a barren planet that's really cold, and most of it is like ice, it's hard to think that there'd be like water around there. But there's Definitely a lot of water, it's just not in the form, not in the liquid form. However, so, it still can cause erosion. So, like, would, uh, so would erosion also expose this, like, um, ice, like, the, um, the solid form of water, ice? Uh, there's, so, erosion, this erosion reveals, like, a bun- the erosion, like, erodes the top part of the surface, and then it gets rid of... Um, the surface, and now we can see what's underneath, which is a huge amount of water just lying right below the surface. Yeah. So, um, in the like in this study um, from science, researchers used the uh, Mars uh, reconnaissance, orbiter, orbiter. yeah, the MRO, and investigated uh, eight steep and eroded slopes at um, various locations across Mars, and they found uh, thick shelves of pure water in like the ice form uh located uh as uh, as li- little as 3.3 feet below the planet's surface so like this shows that there is um w- water on mars which is like really interesting yeah and well these like it's it's significant to see that hey now there's there's water on another planet and it also shows that uh, this is not uh, water is not just a unique phenomenon on Earth. It's everywhere. So maybe uh, Mars could have uh, inhabit like maybe uh, Mars could have uh, hosted creatures out there before. Yeah, but we've never gotten to like study that water. But we definitely know that since water is there, there's probably a chance of life. There's definitely life on Mars, but there's probably chance. There is probably a chance of more advanced life on Mars. However, even if we can't find, if this life doesn't exist anymore, uh, which uh, some people still believe they're below the surface, we do know that for um, that this water could serve as a very useful um, what do you, how do you call it a uh, resource I guess yeah resource or uh, yeah a resource. For future human exploration, and not not only this, but the discovery of the these the this this large reservoir of pure water ice um also shows that like 
maybe like water isn't that uncommon. Like Mars is the closest planet to Earth, and uh, other than the Moon, of course. And then uh, 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 humans have done like the most research on the Mars and Moon. There was no water on the Moon, but they found it at Mars. So it maybe if we um, did more research and more investigation at uh, planets. You could find that water is not that uncommon, right? Yeah, well, okay, technically, the water is not on the surface of the moon, but it's definitely under, it's in the craters. Really? So, yeah. the, the, this water can serve as an asset for future manned missions to Mars. However, that's a pretty long way off. And considering we have a Mars 2020 rover just coming up in two years, we're going to be uh, looking forward to that before we set foot on Mars. So this is a really discover, uh, interesting and uh, exciting find, I guess, because it uh, it just adds to like the excitement for Mars, and like and what Mars can be for humans and for our future, because as you know, climate change and uh, all that stuff, the Earth is getting uh, slowly and slowly getting uh, worse more, and worse. More, yeah. Uh, the conditions. Uh, conditions deteriorating. Yeah. Because humans are bad. And there's but more and more humans, yeah. More, yeah, humans are just bad. We don't like humans. And then, like, the discovery of water on Mars, maybe we could live on Mars one day. That, which is a very exciting prospect. Now, by the way, you know you uh, people have been uh, signing up, quote-unquote, to go explore Mars, which sounds like a very fun thing to do. So if you guys are interested, just uh, sign up to go on Mars. I think that would cost a lot of money. I've heard uh, Justin Bieber bought a ticket uh, to uh, go uh, on a spaceship and like look at the moon. Oh, he did? Yeah, it, it was quite expensive, I believe. Uh, quite for the rich. All right, well, moving on to uh, another, another uh, uh, phenomenon. Or interstellar star. phenomenon. Yeah. It's called Tabby Star. What's the Tabby Star? That sounds like a dumb uh, name. <laughs> Well, it's, uh, quote-unquote, the most mysterious star in the universe, you know? Oh, wow, this, okay, it's starting to get interesting. So more than, uh, the mystery of Tabby's star is so compelling that more than 1,700 people, people donated over $100,000 through a Kickstarter campaign to uh, support the dedicated ground-based telescopes to, like, observe the star. Okay, so first off, why is this star so interesting? So, uh, so when we uh, look at a star... Usually you don't see like the stars' uh, uh, wavelengths and colors and light uh, dim and like uh, I guess uh, brighten, right? Okay, so this is, so what you're saying is that the star has been stars normally just like flicker with a pattern. Yeah. Okay. But uh, um, but this star, Tabby star, is sometimes the star's light appears to dim and brighten. Like, but isn't that normal? Or is it like... No, no uh, some, some people think that this is an example of uh, alien uh, life on this star because it could be alien lights or something. However, new research uh, proved that this might not be the case, which is quite sad. Uh -huh. But uh, at least we're closer to know, be knowing the truth. Okay, so this star, the Tabby star, is experiencing some... They're um, sporadic, dimming, dimming, and dimming and brightening, which uh, prompts us to think that there were alien civilizations or megastructures around the star. However, uh, that seems to be not the case because of the fact that 
the star uh, does not dim in whenever uh, this if there was a mega structure the star would dim in whenever this mega structure passes however like it doesn't happen in a very it doesn't happen in a pattern which is how we figure out how planets are revolving around stars so um, the dimming like what would that probably come from like why does it dim if it's not an alien structure so there are pos according to the article there are a few possible uh, reasons for this yeah so the f there death there's usually people like the scientists postulate that it's probably caused by something ordinary on a cosmic scale like dust or something maybe dust is one of the most common like dimming, Likely, uh, dimming factors yeah but like this uh, I guess discovery so um sad like uh, people like um there's been uh four dims I guess uh four distinct episodes when the star's light um, dipped and like uh, people named them like the first two dips were named uh, LC and Calesti and the last two were named uh, Scotland's Scarabri and Cambodia's Angkor like people have been so excited about like um, the star that they've even named when the star's light has been dipping that that's pretty cool yeah, yeah like, so that shows like, and it's important to note that without the people's contribution, this star would never have been studied in the first place. Yeah, like um, the people have been, uh, there's a group online called the Planet Hunters, which uh, established, which, which was established so that volunteers could help classify uh, the light curves from this Kepler mission and search for such planets similar to this. And if it were not for their unbiased opinions about how the universe, about the universe, this star would have been skipped over, and we would not have possible theories about why the star is dimming. Yeah, I think it um, it might be depressing that to know that it's not. It's probably not aliens, but I'm still glad that we know the truth. I guess or like we know what it. Um, yeah, we we know the truth. So it's mo so the people have postulated that it's most likely exocomets. Exo such as Halley's comet, I believe. That's one of our exocomets that re uh, revolves around our sun. Now, I wish there were aliens. I also wish there wasn't aliens because it's kind of scary to know that you're alone in the universe. And if you weren't alone in the universe, that'd also be very scary. However, uh, like uh, the dims we see, or like the dims um, that are being studied, they probably happened thousands of years ago since like Tabby Star is so far away. So yeah, even if they were aliens, they might just be all dead by now. Mm, such is the fate of humanity. <laughs> all right. Next, we have... Um, Let's come back to Earth. Let's come yeah. back to Earth. Okay, so back on Earth, back to our century, we have a little device called the iPhone. Now, I'm pretty sure all of you know uh, what an iPhone is. I'm using it right now to record this session. Um, my friend used have, to have one. Now I have an Android. <laughs> uh, is Android really that, that good? Uh, it's better than iPhone's iPhone. better. Uh, iPhone's better. Uh, okay, so... But the point of today's uh, argument is that iPhone, phones in general, smartphones, are too addictive. Now, we referred to a uh, video interview of uh, I, one of the co-creators of the iPhone, the original iPhone, who was uh, 
Mentored by Steve mentored Jobs. Mentored by Steve Jobs, yeah. So what he talks about is that he never ever had this intention for the iPhone to be addictive so that it would be a good marketing technique. So then what was his intention, I guess? He was intention, his initial intention was just to combine a computer, which is super useful, and a phone, which is also really useful, and then mash them together in some sort of hybrid. And it, he, they did accomplish that dream. So, which was, is great. It's leading to a lot of technological advances, revolutionized um, touchscreen touch technology. However, um, there is the ad- issue of addiction. We're getting too like attached to our phones. Uh, phones have been too, or, or technology like overall have been too like uh, crucial to our uh, lives every day, and um, that might be good or bad, because um, if 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 we become too uh, dependent on the iPhone or technology in general, uh, what happens if one day we don't have it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a big issue. Let's considering there's a EMP threat from North Korea, but so, but there is a solution to this. It's just a very painful and a very parent-like solution of, um, what do you call it? Uh, can't think of any words right now. Well, monitoring their phone usage. So it just get it's. One way to uh, help get fight against phone addiction, like it should be built. He suggested the co-creator suggested that it should be built into apps, to let you know how much time there is. So it's like a little uh, low battery, except for too much phone usage time. So David, what's your point of view? Do you think that the creation of the iPhone is an overall good, uh, overall positive to society or not? I think it's overall a net positive. Net positive? And why is that? Oh, so for me, it's because it's like, it's literally a computer in your back pocket. So, like, you can bring up whatever information you want. You can play music whenever you want. It's just such an innovative device. And everything that we use comes with a consequence or like a restraint, a restriction. For example, um, but the iPhone has led to the rise of social media. And like the, uh, the positive of social media is that you can uh, communicate with people all around the world, um, your information and what's happening really quickly. However, a negative of that is that, um, I guess people might become too attached to their social media. People might, instead of spending time outside with real friends, they would spend time with their online friends. Yeah, and there's also the issues of, like, purely doing everything for social media. So everything, the point of this is that everything comes with the consequence, everything comes with the just common sense. Now, sometimes some of us forget common sense because we're humans. So, what he suggests, I think that the idea of a reminder rather than like a strict lock, like shut down your phone at this time, is better, is like a good thing. So, um, so what's, what's your stance on? Uh, so, first of all, I think it's a net positive. However, like I, just because I don't think I could live without my phone personally. However, like looking back, uh, like 10, 20 years ago, people didn't have phones at all and they were just doing fine. Like, 
uh, they didn't have a lot of the problems we had. Like today, for example, like fake news and stuff, like that's a that's become a recent topic. And you could say that possibly uh the uh the development of phones, smartphones or like technology led to that. Yeah, I guess you could. So yeah. I, 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 I like the only reason I think it's a net positive is because personally, uh, my phone is so important to my life. It's useful. I bet if you looked at uh, the viewpoints of an older generation, for example, our parents, um, they might have a different point of view, and our grandparents probably have a completely different uh, point of view on this. That yeah, well, as time goes on, so does technology, yeah. and we're probably gonna be the generation that says like, I don't know how to use this hologram. Help me. No. Oh, well. You know what? We probably don't know how to use. Fuel cell powered vehicles. Uh, so our next that. topic is the um, two th- the first look at the two thousand nineteen Nexo, which is a Hyundai fuel cell vehicle. So this is for a car brand, right? Yeah, Hyundai. Um, so at uh, this week's CES, um, Hyundai took its uh, t- took off the wraps of its newest fuel cell vehicle and named it Nexo. And uh, announced that it would be available in California by 2018, which is now. And uh, it's going to replace uh, the Tuscan, which is the company's uh, original hydrogen uh, fuel cell vehicle. Okay, so that's uh, so. what is a hydrogen fuel cell? Well, judging by its name, it's prob- uh, instead of using uh, gas... Or oil or anything or uh, electricity, uh, this car um, gets its power from a hydrogen cell. Okay, and, um, so this is this sounds very futuristic. Yeah, uh, well, it's gonna be available by uh, two 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 thousand eighteen. The future is now. So the what are the specs? Why is this battery so important? Uh, so uh, Hyundai claims that uh, this car will go up to three. 370 miles between charges, uh, while a charge just takes five minutes, mm-hmm. which is uh, very time effe- uh, efficient. And uh, what makes the it so unique is that it's uh, supposed to be more efficient, compact, and more quiet than its uh, competitors. A lot of these cars are extremely uh, have large batteries that take up uh, take up a lot of space, aren't efficient. And sometimes they're quite loud. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen like sometimes I'm crossing the road and then I see this thing coming out of the corner of my eye, but I don't hear anything, so I just keep going. And then I hear a beep, and then I see a, a Tesla, like a Tesla car right next to me. I'm like, oh shoot, this, this car is like almost ran into me. These the batteries are so quiet. That's and- which is pretty cool, but it's also kind of dangerous. And it has uh, some new features. For example, a remote uh, parking feature that also retrieves the vehicle. So, like, uh, imagine, like, a typical Saturday at the mall. Mm-hmm. And then uh, someone, you could just uh, click something on your phone. And then uh, the vehicle will just come to you. 
Whoa. So, like, imagine, like, 200 or so of those vehicles all, like, beeping and honking trying to get to their respective owners. That'd be quite a mess. That sounds funny. Like, we don't even have, like, online ordering of Starbucks yet, but soon we're going to be able to call our cars to us. Yeah. Yeah, this future is kind of screwed up. Yeah, and, like, uh, we're seeing so many of these inventions and uh, developments, but, like, I just feel like they're not being planned completely. For example, this, the uh, remote parking feature, like, how will this interact with human drivers? How will this interact with... Uh, uh, like robotic drivers, I guess, or like automated drivers. Like, how would they interact? Like, what if you're calling your car from like two, two hundred miles away? Like, there's just so many what 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 ifs, like that. I don't think um, you would ever call your car from two hundred miles away. That's kind of like if you're gonna be two hundred miles away, I think you might as well just fly. <laughs> Accidentally yeah. call your car from two hundred miles away. I like, think there's a range limit. Hopefully um, there is a range limit. Well, this pers- uh, I mean, the concept's really cool. I pre- everything that's happening right now is a cool concept. It just needs a little more development before it can hit our markets. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's our uh, power supply discussion for this week. Goodbye. All right, we'll see you later.